Welcome to Avis After Hours, a podcast focused on the intersection of innovation, finance, and community. Today, we are joined by Will Torres, an expert in the food space industry, going from broker to consultant and finally to entrepreneur. Will has represented brands like Popcorners, RX Bars, and Krispy Kreme to now launching his own brand, Golden Dough Foods. Will, welcome to the podcast. No, thank you guys. We definitely want to get into the, the golf game at some point, but usually, typically we start this all the way back, you know, your upbringing and kind of what got you to this point. So I, I'm curious to hear that because I know we've, I've read some articles about you, seen you on some other podcasts, you know, I want to hear about the, the early stages in your life. Grew up here in Orlando uh, in Castleberry, so not too far from here, but I, I spent a lot of time here in Winter Park. My mom is a cosmetologist, so she does hair and um, she worked on Park Avenue in different places all over Winter Park and I went to St. Mark and Mary. My parents, they were adamant that I wasn't going to public school. And when we moved here from Puerto Rico, they moved here for a reason to give us better opportunities. Not that there aren't great opportunities there, but mm -hmm. there was more opportunities here, obviously. Wherever she was, I had to be nearby. So St. Mark and Mary was literally Works. stone throw away. And that's where I went. Yeah, I grew up in Castleberry. Um, my dad was in the food business. Uh, he was a store manager, a buyer, worked for a distributor. So I'd always been around it. You know, I was a kid that during the summertime, my dad, uh, when he was with the distributor, I was a kid sweeping uh, the warehouse during the summer in the heat. Or, you know, the, uh, during the summer, if I wasn't going to work with my mom because I wasn't staying at home, I was with my dad doing a reset of a store, setting stock and shelves, you know, four in the morning. When did y'all move from Puerto Rico? And when were you doing all those, you know, helping out around the store and things like that? I well, moved from Puerto Rico when I was three. Helping out was almost, you know, I, my earliest memories, I would say. I don't even, can't really put a, an exact age, but with food, man, I was selling food. I ate my Isa, my grandma, um, she passed away, but uh, we, she used to tell me that I used to take her produce after she got back from the store and try to sell it to people on the street. <laughs> so that's, it's, uh, I've always had an affinity for food and sales. Was your father doing food distribution in Puerto Rico before y'all moved here? Yeah. So he worked for a company called Pueblo, which was also called Extra. Um, so he was a store manager there at, at, a, at a grocery store. Same type of job? Yeah. Transferred. Up. Okay. Because uh, they, the chain in Puerto Rico also had roots here. And so he transferred over as a manager there. And then my mom was a cosmetologist in Puerto Rico. And so she just started building her clientele here. Were either of your parents into golf or is that something that you found? Yeah. No, they weren't. Uh, and, and my parents lived in a place in Puerto Rico called Dorado and on Dorado Beach, which is like premier golf course now, beautiful property. My, my dad tells me that the neighbor always used to say, hey, let's go play golf. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not playing golf. I didn't play golf until I was 14 years old. Um, I was with my friend, one of my mom's clients. Because I was always at the salon, her clients would see me there. And one of the ladies was like, my son's your same age. You guys should meet. And her son and I hit it off. And I went to their house. They lived at Alqua. And on like the sixth hole, I think it was right in their backyard. And one day we're over there playing and I, I loved playing basketball and all the other sports because golf wasn't really a thing for me. He's like, you want to go hit golf balls? I'm like, yeah, man, sure. I remember to this day, the first time I actually made contact with the ball after whiffing and doing all the stuff, I, it was over. I mean, I, I was hooked. Let's talk about like the early stage of the, the golf career. Where did it go from there because I do know it got to a high level at some point. After that experience of hitting golf balls, I told my parents I got home and I'm like, hey, I need some golf clubs. And my dad's like, 
all right, let's go to the garage sale. So we went to the garage sale and they had a set there and we got it and it was like a nine iron or seven iron and this old wooden head. And I found this like Florida, Orlando junior golf, something or other for the summertime, signed up for an event. I'm like, mom, I really want to play in this. And she was like, okay. But then I'm like, mom, I can't go with this bag. Like I've seen what like Greg has, like I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. And And so we went to, next logical place sam's club and we bought one of the sets that has everything in <laughs> right. it from putter to go. driver and she drove me to this tournament and i shot 134 i think it was or something like that she got there i saw her pull up to the place took my bag threw it in the car i said mom's get out of here because like all these kids i'm looking at the board and everything's in the 70s and like low 80s and here i am 130 something i'm like holy smokes um but i returned to that same tournament the following year and shot 77 and finished seventh so you got you got to the professional level. So what did what did that look like? So I played collegiate golf, and it wasn't like a like collegiate careers like what you see from the guys that are on the tour, right? I was very much streaky, no different than I am now. I'd say now, not today. Say three years ago, I was a way better golfer than I ever was when I attempted to play uh, collegiate golf or professional golf. It was a short lived career, you know, two and a half, three years. I'm not one for mediocrity i guess and playing to make a cut i just don't live my life that way in general and when i saw my friends continue to accelerate and and climb and i'm missing a cut thinking i'm playing well so i'm not even touching the cut it's like i gotta go do something else where my bad round was still 75 77 their bad rounds were even par and where my good round was 67 68 their great rounds and good rounds were 63 that mentality i'm not there to finish second place like i want to compete and i was you know on the cut line at mm-hmm. the time. so you're in your, your early 20s at this point yeah early okay. 20s so was there a specific event that you were just like yeah this is this is the last one for me yeah i missed a couple cuts where i played really well one of them i was 3 under um the other one i was 5 under par and missed a cut both times then I went to U.S. Open qualifying in Maryland, shot 71, didn't even sniff getting out of local. Got in the car, called my sponsor, and I said, hey, bud, like, I'm done. He's like, no, I just give it a break. You've been on the road for three weeks. I said, no, I'm, I'm good. We're, I think I'm moving on here. Did you know what was next, or you just know, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> I got to go figure it out? Golf opened up a lot of doors that, like, you know, to this day, some of these guys are my mentors. And one of the doors that opened up was to a gentleman that he owns all the the major helicopter tour companies here in Orlando and him and I had become really good friends and and we're playing a lot of golf together. And when I told him I was done, he's like, come, come work for me. Like, and, and let's, let's do something. And, you know, my, my bachelor's was in sales and marketing. Um, so he's like, look, all these hotels are opening up the Waldorf, the Hilton Bonnet Creek, all these new hotels, you know, can you go and, you know, build relationships with the concierge and, you know, figure all this out and, you know, get the the people that are staying there right. to start coming to our place versus others. Mm-hmm. And that was my first real like entryway into doing presentations. Cause by nature sitting here today, doing what I do on an everyday basis, that's, that's not, you know, my personality really. Um, when you look at the Myers-Briggs tests and some of the other personality tests, I test so far on the introvert side that it's not even funny. Even to this day, I'll take a test just to see how I answer questions differently and I come out with the same result. So you got to step out of your own way, you know, and, and, and if you believe in something like I do and what I'm doing, 
it makes it a lot easier. I'm it's not BSing yeah. people. Yeah. I love that. I love the mission behind it that you just described. I actually, a little bit reading about you, I was getting that and you just brought up, you know, self-described introvert. I actually know some other uh, guys that are similar that are excellent at sales. Clearly, that's a huge part of your story and what you excel at. But most people, like, they don't think that way. They think you got to be an extrovert. What's the secret behind that? for other people out there that may be introverts as well. I really don't know what the secret is. I just, I've learned to trick myself or, or, you know, look, this is how I, for me in the business world, this is how I put food on the table for my family. Right. So you got to figure that out. Right. What was kind of the, the next stage when, you know, you're in this job as, you know, working sales for the helicopter company, was that going well for a while or what, how did you start getting back into so after that, uh, the transition really happened. It's like 2009, 2010. Um, I was still at the Hellport. Uh, my dad had sat, had sat me down. He was like, "Hey, you know, you ever thought about getting the food business?" And I was like, "Nah, Dad. Like that's not something I want to do." Like, and he's like, "But you've been around. Do you understand?" I said, "Yeah, but I don't really know. What are you talking about?" He's like, "Well." there's food brokers and you represent manufacturers to retailers. And I'm like, oh, I don't have any relationships. He's like, look, there's this company here in Orlando. And they presented to me at the time. My dad was working uh, for Seven Eleven, and he was a part of the team that ran Seven Eleven Florida. So they used to be divisionally run, not centralized in Dallas like they are now. And he's like, you know, there's this company, this, that, the other. And I was like, all right, man, let's, I'll, I'll sit down and talk to him, whatever. So we sit down and talk to him and these guys are like, yeah, we want to be in 7-Eleven, this, that, and the other. And my dad's like, you should represent him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's like, I'll help you. I'm like, all right, cool. So they didn't know I didn't know anything. They knew that obviously my dad, uh, it's a decision maker there. So I think that's probably why they gave me the opportunity. But then eventually they're like, oh, he knows what he's doing. But I didn't. My dad was coaching me. They introduced me to another manufacturer. We started working with them and it had nothing to do with my dad at that point because he wasn't interested in that product, but I got them in other places and it just slowly developed. And, and again, I, I didn't really have relationships outside of my dad and some of the guys that he was close with that were also stocking shells back in the day that now moved up the ladder, but they weren't really in places that I was visiting. But at the time, Shark Tank was brand new and... I was the guy watching Shark Tank on a Friday evening when it was, a, you know, not a cheap, but like low production quality. Right. And these manufacturers that would go on Shark Tank, their cell phones were literally on the website. So I'd watch this and I'd be like, that's a cool product. And that's one thing. Like I, I represent things that I, I don't always have to be a consumer of, but that I can get behind. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So I call the number on the website. Next thing you know, they answer the phone. And I'm like, hey, my name's Will, uh, this and the other. Like, oh, this is, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, that's actually the guy. That <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and this is like Friday night. So it goes on at 8 o'clock, ends at 9. Yeah. So I'm calling these people 9.30 at night, and they're answering the phone. Every Friday night, I find something, and I reach out to those people. So then I started building the portfolio that way. But then I had to figure out, well, look, now I have all these brands that are really cool, and they're on Shark Tank, but how do I get to the retailer? LinkedIn was someone somewhat brand new at the time. Um, back in the early, like 2010, 11, 12. And so I would go on LinkedIn and search buyer at Walgreens, vitamin sports nutrition. 
And then you'd get all these names. And then it would say like S dot Minger. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So I put S dot Minger Walgreens buyer back into Google. It gives me the first name, Scott Minger. And this is actually the guy that I'm talking about right now. This is actually how it all started. So then now I have a name. I understand that he buys vitamin sports nutrition for Walgreens. Now, how does the email work? S dot Minger at Walgreens. Minger dot Scott at Walgreens. Scott dot Minger at Walgreens. And I'm doing this not only for Walgreens, for CVS, for 7-Eleven, yeah, corporate, for racetrack, for everybody you can think of, all the key retailers. And I have Mailer Demon out the ass, okay? Right. Like, doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. And so finally, one work, boom, Scott dot Minger at Walgreens. Got to him. That man loved shark tank he watched that episode for the brand that i was presenting love it and he writes back right away yeah when can you come in i'm like well wait a minute where's your headquarters (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's chicago and here i am like i don't i'm like do 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 cool um next thing you know i'm in chicago we bring in uh brandon jacobs because he was behind the brand called pro energy and so obviously i walk in we got super bowl champion brandon jacobs and buyers like just blown away. Next thing you know, through things like that, I get tied in with with Damon, some of the other sharks, and they obviously back then did not have the retail teams that they do today. And so I had other opportunities to work with those guys and and have them come along to meetings, and it was it was actually really cool. So we're doing all the Shark Tank hustling. You got the brokerage business. Sounds like doing extremely well. Yeah. Uh, what was kind of the next phase there? Um, how long did that go? And then how did you, where did Krispy Kreme come along and all of that? Krispy Kreme came along in 2015. Um, during this whole time, you know, I was working at the heliport. I, I didn't show up for work a couple of times, but I forgot to put it on the schedule. And he's like, hey, you're going to hate me today, but you've got to go all in on this. That's awesome. And that's why he's one of my mentors to this day. He's one of my good buddies. He, he said, one day you'll thank me. And I, I mean, I, I tell him all the time, thank <laughs> you. And that was a big learning experience for me in itself where I was making money. All of a sudden, I wasn't making money. Um, the BMW went away real fast. I was back in my parents' house. I had to let go of my condo because I went from income to zero income literally in a matter of days. And, and when that happened, I had been dating uh, a girl who's not my wife. And uh, we're, we're driving down I-4 one day driving by the, where the Amway is today. And she goes, well, my visa is expiring. I got to go back to Canada. Do you want to go? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, living in my parents' house, don't have income. I'm in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we moved right into her parents' basement. We got engaged in 2014, 2013. Yeah, we got engaged in 2013 while living up there. We got married in 2014. And she got pregnant in late 14, early 15. I'd say that we're probably, I don't know, somewhere in the easily 100 plus thousand in debt. Um, We had an eight-month-old daughter. The company that I, the majority of my income says, hey, you know, you either got to come in-house or we got to part ways because the commissions essentially the commissions you're making is is a lot and we could hire somebody for less and while i had built that portfolio for them that's just the reality of the business and um i come home and i said hey here's the compensation package 
And uh, she looked at me and she said, you're not doing that. And, you know, that was another pivotal point in our, in, in our lives, in our story, because two months later, I get a phone call from someone that I knew uh, to say, hey, Krispy Kreme's looking to do this. And they're looking to do national distribution, not just distribution from, a, from a, uh, one of their restaurants to all the local publics and stuff and convenience stores. They want to go national. So, so tell us a little bit about the Krispy Kreme experience because I want to yeah. move into the topic of the, the hour, which is Golden yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I want to make sure we have time to... The Krispy Kreme experience was, again, it changed, it changed the trajectory of where I am today, where our family is today, the opportunity for Golden Doe. Uh, LTD Management Group, which was the brokerage I started, which stands for Live the Dream because I figured if I could help manufacturers and other people live their dream of seeing product on the shelf, I live mine because I make money off the sales, right? And I think that LTD was an extension of my bachelor's degrees, my bachelor's degree. I then, TSW was my master's where I applied my theory because they didn't know. They didn't know that I hadn't done all of that on my own. They knew that I understood where the, what the market looked like. I understood the product development, the packaging, the design. And then I had a partner in that business that understood the back end, the operation side. So it was, you know, a great, great match there at the beginning. And again, it was extension of my bachelor's. It was applied theory. Uh, and I, I banked on the same people that, you know, I met along the way um, from 2010 forward that I developed what I felt and I know are now authentic relationships. They weren't just BS, topical, transactional. I hoped and I banked on those people to stand up for me when I let them know that I had this great opportunity. And I think that was as important as the brand in itself. And I think that gets lost in business is that it is a relationship business. You could be a big brand, you could be a small brand, but you're still dealing with people. Was there an inflection point or an event that led to you moving from Krispy Kreme to starting Golden Doe, or is it like a slow burn? Whether that yeah. process, like man, I wish it would have been a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> with Krispy Kreme, you know, it just they have very very smart people in, in that place, and and they felt that you know, they, they wanted to do it themselves. So that, that came to an end, uh, in 2020 talk about a rude awakening <laughs> and like literally going from income again to a donut hole, like zero mm. income. How many kids do you have at this point? Three. No, I have okay, three. So you're like, when I started to have one, yeah. <laughs> another um, big massive inflection point. Yeah. Three kids. That's got an eight year old daughter, a six year old daughter and a three year old son. So what did the the start of Golden Doe look like? Was it just a an idea? Was it just yeah. over time you're trying to figure out how to build yeah. this thing? Or yeah, so I, I didn't. Uh, COVID wasn't as real as it would be what it became, um, but there was there was a company that was doing a donut that was shelf stable, um, and I was like, man, there's something there, and and individually wrapped and shelf stable meaning it has a longer shelf life, I'd imagine. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. have to be you know. Refrigerated, uh, refrigerator, or anything, right, yeah. and I started looking at that, and I I, knew, I know somebody here in Orlando that used to be uh, a Duncan guy and had a commissary, so I call him up and I'm like, hey man, I'm trying to create recreate something here, um, and so we started to test stuff and we started to testing different doughs and 
during COVID, you know, there was nothing else for me to do. I don't have a job. Other people were making bread at home. You're testing yeah. out. <laughs> I'm testing donuts. <laughs> donut recipes. Yeah. I have all these pictures of all these bags, vacuum sealed bags with donuts in them and different dates and dates to open and all this stuff. And it was a mess. I'm and, sure your wife loved it. Yeah. And I kept stealing <laughs> stuff out, stealing stuff out. What got me to Golden Doe Foods, when, when the partnership ended with Krispy Kreme, again, I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I had a little bit of money to go do something, but I started looking at trades. So window washing companies, there wasn't one thing that I wouldn't look at. Uh, and, and I was lawn mowing services and all this stuff. Cause I'm like, Hey, look, maybe I could apply my operational side to this. And, and obviously I understand sales and we have, there's relationships in this town that exists that I could tap into. And my wife looked at me and I think it was February of 21. Yeah, February 21. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, you've always wanted to have your own brand. Go and do something. Like, what happened to that donut project you were working on during COVID? I'm like, yeah, it didn't work. It staled out. Like, it wasn't working. She's like, go figure that out. Can I get your wife on here, too? She's yeah, seriously. Awesome. <laughs> Again, that was a turning point. Uh-huh. Um, and for, I think it was like February 21st, actually. And from that point forward, Every waking minute that I had was working with our food scientists on perfecting our version of this donut. So tell us a little bit about Golden Dough and, and what differentiates it from other products you see out there. A yeast-raised donut is basically like what Krispy Kreme makes or you see got a Dunkin' Donuts, uh, a little less dense than a cake donut. Um, but what we have is is some technology and proprietary technologies uh, and, and flavorings and our stuff that we are able to be on a shelf for an extended period of time. The exact number is 75 days. The reality of the business is that if I'm on the shelf for 75 days, I'm out of business. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so, you know, it just, it's like a, in the industry, it's like a, a Rice Krispie treat can last two years on a shelf, right? It's like, if it lasts two years, they wouldn't be making Rice Krispie treats anymore. Right. It's something that industry is, is, is sought after, um, especially for, for high spoilage items, right? So if you go into a Wawa or 7-Eleven, those items in that case are going to spoil after a day. And that's a lot of waste in, in food. COVID brought a new dimension into it, which was people were scared of cost contamination. And what we do is we have an individually wrapped, full-sized yeast-raised donut. We're the first to launch this at mass scale. Do you have distribution in Central Florida? We do, yeah. We're yeah. in Racetrack. Okay. Um, we're about to go into Gate Petroleum. Um, and we're in talks with quite a few others. Yeah, I went to the racetrack on Colonial today trying to find some. I couldn't find it. No, they're out. I think they were out, which is a good sign for you. I was gonna clean you out. It's a double edged sword. Yeah, I want to touch on something I read. I think it was an Orlando Sentinel article about you. I think you said if you launched perfectly, you launched too er or too late. Too late Mm -hmm. was the quote. Explain that. Touch on that. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I liked it. So when I designed this product, I designed it a certain way for the packaging to look a certain way, for everything to look a certain way. And I, I learned that early on from other mentors. You know, you, you can't just, you can't be a self-sabotager, which a lot of entrepreneurs are. They try to perfect, 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 and they never make it. Right. And it, the idea dies. Specifically to Golden Doe Foods, I designed all this packaging, did all this stuff. We're literally, it's March, 8, March 17th of last year. We're doing our first full-on production run and packaging the whole works. I knew what I signed off on. I knew all this stuff. All of a sudden, the first unit starts coming off the line, second unit, third unit. 
I'm looking at this packaging. I'm like, that's not what I designed. The way it laid out. My wife looked at me. I looked at her. People were coming to talk to me to congratulate me. She told my mom, give them space. And I literally walked out of the building, went into a room. And, like, I wanted to scream. I wanted to punch things. Like, what the hell? I have so much money invested into this in time. And this just came outside. This came out totally not what I designed. To everybody there, they knew no different. They were so excited in the moment. I'm I'm excited, but that excitement got deflated. And, and for me, the and that was something that has stuck with me my whole career. You launch perfect, you launch too late. And and this was a perfect real life, in my real life, not just to saying it, that I had to go. It was too late. And the product inside that packaging is good. And we, this is just is what it is. Had to sell it. Yeah. And so that, but that day when I went to that room by myself, I made three phone calls. I said, I need new packaging. And we, we pivoted right then and there and we, we fixed the issue. It's amazing. So you, you touched on it a second ago with where we're going and where are we at right now with as far as how big is Golden Doe? Yeah. What's the future look like? All that kind of stuff. I hope the future is great. Um, we're, last year we launched in May. We sold just over 1.1 million units, which wow. I never thought that ever in my wildest dream. Out of the top 20 wholesalers in the business, we're in 18 of them. Wow. And almost done with all the top 20. And um, retailer-wise, man, it's been amazing. Again, the people that helped me build Krispy Kreme, that's my same team today. Um, and when it comes to the retailers, a lot of bodies have changed. But I've been given the opportunity, like a racetrack, like as a startup brand, you don't usually get into a racetrack. You don't usually get into a sheets. Uh, you don't usually get into a TA or uh, cows or circle K's. Like that usually doesn't happen this early in the game. You have to go prove it out door by door. And, and we are proving it out door by door. But we also had the door open. I think it's because of the product quality, the differentiation. And, you know, not because I designed it, but it's great packaging. Like you, you have very limited amount of time to get somebody's attention when they're walking by. And I think our packaging does that. And we're meeting a need, right, um, in the market uh, because of spoilage, safety, all that stuff. But, yeah, we, this year has been amazing. Uh, just this week, we've added on more doors. We were still in like one pallet a week, then two pallets, then five pallets, then a few weeks with no pallets, and then again, again, again. We're shipping truckloads every week. Jeez. Well, you came in here today and you said you'd just been on the road the last two, your first week at home in two yeah. months. Yeah. It's been wild. I mean, and I like to be on the ground. I like to be on the ground floor. Right. Like I was mentioning earlier too, I've never had an office. Uh, this is the first time in my career that we have an office. And, and it's not a place that, to be quite frank, I don't enjoy being in an office. I feel like if I'm in the office, I'm wasting time. Now I'm no longer on the golf course either, which I used to <laughs> love being on the golf course when I wasn't in the office. I'm on planes um, in people's offices, but that's that's what it takes to grow a business. That was the first 18 months of Krispy Kreme. I was wheels up all the time. Um, it's a lot harder now uh, having three kids versus having one daughter, but it's it's part of the grind. I enjoy being out there with our customers and and going full circle to LinkedIn. The power of LinkedIn is real when you learn how to use it. And I'm still learning. But the amount of distribution that we've gained and the amount of conversations that I've had 
through that inbox that's there because again, like I don't have time to BS. So, you know, if I post something, sometimes it's a little bit too emo, but that's my story. That's my reality. And I, I celebrate the wins and I talk about the losses and the issues and I've never hidden, you know, when we had the packaging issues, I was very public about it. When any issue, I get out in front of it. I, I don't want somebody coming to tell me about my business when I know my business. So I'd rather say it up front and then we'll deal with it. Right. Not, hey, did you know this? Oh, maybe. <laughs> as, as recent as last night, there's a, a prolific retailer that I've been talking to. And again, I touch base all the time. And this morning I had an email in my inbox. Please send us this information so that we could consider this for our, for, uh, our sets. And this is, I mean, a very prolific retailer. Game changer a little bit. Yeah, it is actually. Um, from a visibility standpoint, from a, a pure door, door count standpoint, it's, it is, um, we're in a lot, I mean, every retailer and, and sometimes people say like, well, I'll be at a trade show and they're like, well, we only have one store or we only have 10 stores. Listen, that one store is as important to me, obviously from a dollar standpoint, there's a big difference between one and a thousand, one, 2000 stores. Right. But that one store those customers walking into your store because they're your customer that choose to buy my product. That's what it's about, you know, and you have to, you can't just build it at the top to bottom. You got to build it at a grassroots level and it's density. Um, so when people tell me that it shows, I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like your door matters, your door matters. And obviously the big doors matter because of scale to me, every, every opportunity is um, I'm thankful. But what would you say your leadership style is because the converse the reason i asked that is because you talked about how you're never in the office yet you moved the office because you didn't enjoy the experience there and you wanted your employees to enjoy the experience there so i'm ga i'm gathering a little lead from the front type mentality but what would you say yeah. it is i'll never expect anybody to do something i wouldn't do myself and that office thing was you know nothing wrong with the office building where we're in it's a great place <laughs> um but you know uh, we had two 287 square foot cubicles essentially one was shared by my brother-in-law and i and the other one by our back office administrator and um i was there multiple it was more than one multiple days in a row for six plus hours and i get home and i'd be like yeah. like no windows nothing and i told my wife said i gotta change this and i can't expect people to do and be in places that I don't want to be in. Um, and that that's what changed to where we are today. As far as from a leadership standpoint, I learned more from the leaders that I dislike their style. Um, obviously, you're always going to learn from the good ones. But I took a lot from, and, he, and they're mentors for different reasons. And they're my friends to this day. And I talk to them to this day, as far as early as last week. And one of them, you know, and, and I tell them, like, I hated the way you, you, you led me. I hate the way you treated me, but you're one of the best operators I know. Now, from a leadership standpoint, I learned more from this individual than anybody, I think, period. Um, and it was how I didn't want to lead, but he was, he was, he's kind. But when you got in that business room and, and I could be in, let me back up a little bit. I could be, I am very direct. Well, I was going to say, what's your style? How would you describe I'm it? I'm direct. Like, uh, again, black just, and white. Yeah. I'm black and white. Yeah. If I don't like something, I'm going to tell you. 
But again, I'm willing to do and I will do what it is I'm asking you to do. And I don't, I'm very much a we mentality of we're doing this together. And again, I, a thing that I struggle with is I run a certain way and, you know, I'm wired a certain way and it's not for everybody, but my business is my family's livelihood and, and my sense of urgency is different than others. I, I listen to all kinds of stuff. Not that I'm a, a Derek Jeter or a Michael Jordan or any of those guys, but when I hear them talk about the way that they were in the locker room, the way that they were on the court, the way that they were doing practice, I relate to that. I relate to when Jeter says during the captain that they won a World Series and he was out there working the next day. I have team members that they celebrate this win. Look, I'm happy, but what's next? It's just the way I'm wired and, and that's it. Like, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of people like that. And, and I've surrounded myself with a core group of friends that were very similar. It's like, we're doing this today, but what's tomorrow? We, we did this today. We achieved this today, but what are we doing tomorrow? And what are we doing an hour from now? Like, and, 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 and I know that I need to enjoy the wins. I do in my own way, in my own way. Uh, but outwardly, Sometimes I don't allow, not that I don't allow them. They can enjoy it all the day and all they want until they're blue in the face and be proud of themselves because I'm proud of them. And maybe that's something that I need to improve on is enjoy it more with them and not be like, awesome, cool, man. Let's, let's go. What's What happened on this follow-up call? Right. Right. Instead of letting them like <laughs> have a little, like right. at least a full minute in the limelight, I give yeah. them 20 Just seconds. Just a minute. I, I, couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't love it. with you more. I'm getting stared at yeah. over here. Yeah. I, I'm la we're laughing because this is the exact conversation him and I have had. I'd have the exact same reaction as you do. He'll be like, he'll look at me and be like, hey man, can you just like be excited for 10 seconds on what we just did? I'm like, no, I am excited, but like, what we have other yeah. stuff to do. Like, what are we just doing next? At least yeah. like a minute and a He's half. Like, Dude, then we can go on it. to the next like, thing. Like, we did the yeah. whole thing with. You have football. Like we went and presented to 110 of the football players on financial literacy. Like awesome experience for us. Both fired up. And I'm yeah. like, that was cool. Like what's the next thing we got to do for yeah. them? <laughs> this <laughs> so, happened at lunch today. I understand today, man. it, man. I get it. Yeah, lunch today. We're at Panera. And Brian and I are having some lunch at Panera. And he gets a phone call. And it's uh, Pilot Flying J at Travel Centers. And that's, I mean, that's it's a big account. It's a big account. And, uh, you know, I didn't even have the opportunity uh, to partner with them when I had Krispy Kreme. They didn't really care for it, wow. whatever. And and they're going to bring us in. And and uh, he tells me this, we're having lunch. And literally, I mean, my food, whatever. And then I have some questions after. And I say, all right, what happened with uh, the rollout of cows? Because we were in this chain called Cows out of Texas, like 500-something doors total. So what happened there? And he he just looks at me. And I just know he's thinking <laughs> in his head, <laughs> Dude, this, this yeah. freaking guy. <laughs> You right. know, and 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 uh, that's just look, it, and it's just not different that I don't styles it, man. at the yeah. end of the day. And I love it, and I love it. Yeah, um, I I just and again, I'm very aware of it, you know, and, and it's a tough one to improve on. But and again, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near the the talent level or anything of those of those guys. But that's something I when I watch it, I hear I hear them talk about it. I feel that same way. And and for me, I'm not on a baseball field or football field or basketball court. Um, but this is my sport. So where we, when you think about the future of Golden Doe and the mentality you're talking about, keep going at this rate, where we, where do you see yourself and your, your company in the next five, 10, 15 yeah. years, yeah, however what's, what's far out you want to go? 
pie in the sky, man. I, I want to be, uh, at some point, I would love the opportunity to, to, to be under the umbrella of one of these big guys, a Mondelez, and being what Oreo is to Mondelez. I'd love to be the golden dough to Mondelez and uh, one of the top donuts where people know what golden dough is. And But more than anything, man, I think, and, and this is something I, I remind myself every day, it's one donut at a time, no different than one one foot in front of the other where it'll take me i don't know um i hope it's great things i didn't think any of the other opportunities that i've had were going to be present and, and they were so for now i just keep you know uh my head down blinders on and keep running that's right and, and run fast yeah because man seriously it, there's a there's a window of time that i that i have and had to to do what I'm doing and, and, and gain these partnerships because I'm not naive not to think that my competitors are looking. I just hope that by the time they look hard enough, I'm enough noise to where I am a brand and whether or not they come out with something similar, I have the trust of the consumer. And I, I think that mentality serves that well. And I'm curious kind of what your take on this has come up a few times on the podcast and with entrepreneurship in general, does balance exist with personal life in this business mentality you're talking about? What's your take on that? You asked me, I say yes. You asked my family, my wife, probably no. I asked my friends and we all, we're all the same a little bit. We, we run and gun, but there's some of us do the balance better than others. I think because of this, and and just the way that we live life now, there's Kyle right now. Um, <laughs> it was buzzing. Uh, it just because of the way that that society and the instant gratification or instant need to respond, other than Danny, who you can text him in the morning and you'll hear from back from <laughs> until like six p.m. But um, I grew up in that. I felt a sense of urgency from early on in the business with even the brokerage, where I'm the new guy. I gotta. I gotta prove that I'm, I'm in inactive and, and I don't care if it's 10 p.m. at night I'm answering and and that's for me that's a struggle sometimes because you know I do need to learn or uh, or or at least tame my activity level and when to shut it down do I need to be doing stuff from the moment I walk in the door at whatever time especially when I've been gone all week do I need to still be on my phone no it's a choice and I could justify the choice to myself but that's, you know, I, I try to balance back to that. I try to balance, um, but sometimes the balance, it's, it's off. It's probably just all in that, you know, trying to balance, like you're saying, too. I feel like that's yeah. the key. A lot of us work, right, to help provide for our families. Like, I found out months ago that my wife and I are having our first kid in June. And, like, ever since then, I've just felt this crazy sense of urgency to work, 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 and longer days and, it's to, to provide for the family, but also you remove yourself sometimes from yeah. the said family because you're trying to provide them. It's kind of like competing forces. And I've always found it interesting in how entrepreneurs do find balance. Some don't, some do. Yeah. It seems like you've done a pretty good job. And I know you, I think you alluded to it in one of your posts because we've been following you on LinkedIn for a while and talking about a mentor of yours who said he had like a blurry picture of his son. Yeah. And he's like, that's how I remember his childhood. And you kind of strive yeah. to, strike that balance so. and, and i think that's something for me i i don't think uh well now that the kids are older like i don't go to every doctor's appointment but i think when they were little and uh especially the early ages earlier ages 
I, I didn't miss one doctor's appointment. I didn't. I, I think on Thursday is probably one of the only times this coming Thursday where I'm missing my daughter's play at school. Like, you know, in entrepreneurs, people think being an entrepreneur, you control your time. You do. But I think a key thing that people miss is that you serve a lot more masters. So in a corporate environment, you serve your boss and the shareholders, whoever. But then you go home sometimes, not in every single corporate environment. So I don't want to generalize, but you can shut it off. When you're running your own business, You people think, oh, it's so great. You control your own time. You go wherever you want. You, you know, you're your own boss. Man, I got more bosses than you even know. Um, and, and I'm sure you guys the same. Every single one of your clients you have a, a responsibility to. And so it's not like you're working for one person. I think it's fascinating how a lot of people pick a, a niche like you have and excel in it, but it's also clearly been a culmination of all of your past experiences. Even talking at the beginning about, you know, you were, you know, taking from your grandmother and selling some of her produce and being entrepreneurial. And now the correlation between that and where you are today. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Do you think it's just the uh, the journey the whole way and kind of fate and now you're here or, or how do you how do you think about that? I think I'm 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 where I'm at because of circumstantial luck. You put yourself in enough situations where for me I was very uncomfortable, but yeah, whether or not a test says I'm a certain way, I I enjoy I enjoy people. Right. And and that's what I'm in. I'm in a people business. I just happen to have a product I'm selling. It's just, like you said, it's been a series of events in my life that one layers on top of the other. And the overnight success goes back to when I was three years old selling my grandma's produce. Mm -hmm. And and understanding, I guess, emotional intelligence more mm -hmm. than anything. Because mm -hmm. like my college coach used to tell me, you're not my, my student athlete, you're my athletic student. And I said, all right, cool. <laughs> out there and i and i'm not look at what i do I, I i did find a niche and um i can go and apply what i know will i ever be able to achieve the same success in what i'm doing in my core business elsewhere maybe maybe not i'm gonna try um but like, you know, there's there's mechanics and there's guys that work on Harleys and guys that work on Suzuki's. And, and sometimes a Suzuki guy can't work on a Harley. I work on the Harleys and I understand how to turn wrenches on a Harley. Um, can that guy go and figure out a Suzuki? For sure. But, you know, or vice versa. But I've kind of just dug in and and I love the business, man. I, I like it's there's there are days I wake up and I'm like, damn it. But I think that's just, again, just part of the self-doubt um, and what, what we're doing. Uh, like I said, I'm not a brand today. I will be a brand. Um, but you wake up and you're like, well, am I doing the right thing? Did I make the right decision yesterday? You know, my competitors, well, like there's competitors in everything you do in life. And you just gotta yeah. pick well, your ass up and move. Yeah, well, we can't, we appreciate you taking the time to come on today on the, the one week you've been home and seriously yeah, seriously and uh it's been awesome getting to know you learn about golden dough and um appreciate your time shoot me a text when you guys are back in 
racetrack in a couple of days yeah. when you restock because <laughs> I've yet to try and I yeah. have to now. Danny said they're best heated up. So yeah, yeah. Warm those things up for eight seconds. I'll make and sure, you're make sure we do it. Yeah. We appreciate the time. Thanks, yeah, Will. Thank you guys.